forgetting we're live. Hello everyone and happy Monday. Uh, start of another week. How many weeks are we in now? In quarantine, I think. I'm four. What are you, Lucy? Oh gosh. Uh, well, I've, I'm always in quarantine, actually. <laughs> yeah, like what, what everyone, um, what everyone's kind of normal is. I guess that's not mine. I guess I don't know. You, I spend a lot of time working uh, on my own. My team are uh, in another country, so this to me is this is the normal. So I've a uh, week, uh, one million and something. Okay, good. So let me introduce because I took you off. Uh, you know, surprised you by this question. But so I'm here today with Lucy Blackley from Bombi X PLM. Did I pronounce it? Uh, Bombix PLM, yeah. Bombix, yeah. And uh, we are going to talk about how the importance of how uh, fashion brands can grow uh, and operate just like big brands in the industry. It's, it is possible through the help of technology. And uh, to begin with, I'll let Lucy introduce herself and tell us what she's doing now. So, yeah, my name is Lucy Blackley, and I am yeah. the director and founder of Bombix PLM. Uh, Bombix PLM is a product lifecycle management software solution, uh, which is aimed at, aimed at product development and manufacturing. So how did you, what's your journey? How did you get to developing software? Where did you start? Um, well, Bombix, the name, always had a, um, it's always been there since 2012. I knew I wanted to do something with it. Um, I've always been interested in engineering. And um, I started my career as a garment technologist in the fashion industry, kind of working through to a product development role, and then a leadership role where I was kind of heading up product development for a menswear team. And uh, through that, I've just kind of seen that, like we've, we've discussed in, in the past, how actually we're not very modern as an industry and I wanted to kind of streamline some processes and actually bring a software forward that was built for product development and actual you know product design people. Yeah that's amazing but so what's your experience did you come through the design side or did you work on the supply side How, what was your experience that kind of gave you the light bulb that this industry needs a shake-up? So yeah, uh, whilst I was uh, like a garment technologist uh, I was primarily I did originally work for an own brand that had its own factory and uh, that was my very first job and that was kind of so in a in a sense it was the supplier side because I was dealing with a lot more of the factory stuff and then I moved to London and worked as a supplier to the high street mm -hmm. and um, and then kind of worked from that flipped it and went on to be part of a brand which I think it's super useful to have your knowledge from the supply base and kind of bring that into uh, you know, a brand sphere. I think it's kind of, it's really useful to kind of guide and inform brands of that side of things. What would you say was the biggest difference between working for the supplier on the supplier side and then when you move to a brand? Um, I think as a brand, you've got, you're not answering to people. I think as a supplier, you're kind of bringing solutions to people and saying, okay, we can see what you want. But actually, in order to do that, this is what we need to do. Um, so I think it's you have a lot more uh, you have a lot more technical information to give as a supplier. And then from the brand side, I think it's like you know I came into a place where people didn't have a lot of the technical information. They were more from designing for brands previously. So it really helped for me to be able to guide people and say, okay, this is actually how it would work and this, and actually support the manufacturers. Cause I think that's a, a key role is, um, is to actually support manufacturing and, and the supply side of things and knowing their struggles, I think really helped us connect uh, from with the brand and the supply relationship. Yeah, did you learn the majority of what you know about manufacturing from working so closely with the manufacturers? So um yes definitely you you learn a lot about your you know what what can and can't be done within certain costing and budget restraints i definitely learn a lot about all everything i know is through supplier really i've i've always been more interested in the manufacturing side of things so yeah definitely it somehow seems more real right and it's like really problem solving and yeah i think so i think that's the the main part isn't it like you I think if you're into problem solving and stuff like that, I think definitely go towards the supplier side of things. Yeah. Or even, but even if you're creating your own brand and your own business, definitely um, educate yourself on those technical sides. I think it helps people massively when they're going into these things and people know exactly, you know, the, when, the, when the supplier brings a question to them, they kind of know how to respond to it. So I think learning that side is super important for longevity. 
Oh, we have a, a manufacturer watching us who says, great. So Okay, good. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> That's amazing. So then what did you do? So from the supplier, you jumped off and you went to work for a brand in Berlin, wasn't it? Yes. So I went to work for a brand in Berlin, a massive online retailer. And from there, kind of just, you know, I took it like I'd, I was quite experienced and I moved there and kind of took on a leadership role. And it was great to kind of shape a team and, uh, you know, provide insight to people that were, you know, uh, there was a there was a mixed bag in terms of assistants, juniors, fully fledged uh, garment technologists and product developers. And also, you know, some people that were more senior and to kind of go in there and kind of, you know, educate and inform people of, you know, what what goes on behind the scenes in as a supply, uh, you know, on the supplier side. So, mm. yeah, I kind of start. I, that's where I finished before I started Bombix PLM. But is I started. That what, hmm? Sorry, that's what gave you the idea to kind of move online, that experience? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was a new it was it was very fresh. It was still in its very startup feel. And um, I think it kind of you know, it encouraged me. There was a lot going on digitally, all these systems and stuff. And, you know, with any company, like when you've got too many platforms, it gets really confusing. And sometimes it doesn't actually help you to have all these different softwares for doing different things. A lot of the time you can be spent just uh, doing the processes of, of these softwares. So I thought, how can I kind of make this simple and streamlined for people that have got a lot of experience, but also people that have got next to no experience to make the, you know, the transition to go digital easy for everybody. So that's what I kind of wanted to do. So from that brand to kind of setting up my own software company, I just saw, but not just, uh, you know, on my last job, but through my whole career, how complicated it was to develop a product mm -hmm. and how the systems available to us weren't always built by people in the product design industry, but mm -hmm. it felt a lot of it was done through just, uh, you know, web developers and uh, it wasn't enough it wasn't close enough to the truth of what manufacturing a product is yeah so you and i shared the experience of building a software except yours launched and mine didn't but that process is quite something right i mean i remember when i first was working on our software decanting my brain onto paper i thought i had done a really good job and then i was talking to developers and they were like well what happens between here and here i was like well i pick up the phone Right. Yeah, so you realize how manual the entire process is and how really there isn't anything in terms of idea to finish product with the entire manufacturing process being automated. Yeah, I mean, for me as well, like I had the same thing with my my team. Like It took actually the development of the original system. It took me six months to draw out and kind of form my ideas. I was working a full time job, uh, but it also so in the evenings I'd go home and I'd kind of draft out what I wanted to do. The system looks completely different to what it did then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you definitely, you know, I had my I recruited a team. So once I developed it, I recruited a team and they're still with me today. The, the original everyone that started with it they're still with us which is a good uh you know they really believe in it they're really passionate about it yeah. and uh, actually to be honest i would give if if i was still in the industry and they came to me with what they know now i would definitely employ them as fashion experts <laughs> they came from not knowing anything about fashion but asking like what i thought was a ridiculous question like when they'd say what is a lab dip? And I would be like, well, you don't need to know what a lab dip is. You just need to know the function. But I was completely wrong because now they know exactly what it is. They do so much research into the background of what things are and how it functions that, you know, sometimes they outsmart me on how it should be done. And they give me ideas, which I would never have thought about. So the team is kind of, it's kind of become a really well-rounded team now where people know mm -hmm. we've got a group of experts that know everything and we're able to problem solve all these features that we want to put into it now. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, have you all built it here in the UK or did you outsource that process? So in originally, I just went on, I started with uh, people per hour. And okay. um, I just went on and said, hey, I've got this idea. Um, this is what I want to do. Here's my budget. I thought it was going to cost £10,000, uh, not, not anywhere near £10,000. And three months of my time, uh, we've been developing it for nearly four years, four and a half years now. So not three months time. And the cost is, uh, ex it's extortionate to develop yeah. software. People think mm -hmm. that like, it's an easy moneymaker, but it's so complex and you've got to hire experts that absolutely know what they're doing. And developers are very costly, aren't they? I mean, they're not yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah, they're not cheap. But uh, when I went on to it, so I went on, 
and um lo the 120 odd people came came at me with uh oh i can do this job for you i can do this job and then you know uh gradually a few people came and they were like you know they every time like because i was working full-time as well and i was traveling the world hong kong india bangladesh uh south korea i was on a full-time job so i was like okay i just need to put this down a minute because i've got to concentrate on my full-time job leave me alone and i'll come back to you and there was only a few of that those people that didn't didn't um that a lot of them ignored what i was saying so i felt like they didn't um they weren't respecting my boundaries so i took a risk and i put those few people that did respect my boundaries into the loop and said, okay, let's kind of create this product. And so they are in India. And uh, so I've got some team in the UK and I've got some team in India, which helps us massively for the time zones and the differences yeah. within manufacturing. Um, so it's been a brilliant partnership so far, but we do want to expand to different time zones. So far, we haven't had a problem. You know, we're working with North American brands. Uh, we're working with European brands. So, you know, so far we haven't had any problems uh, time zone wise, but um, it's not really a problem. I think because we're digital, like, you know, it's um, it's just ongoing. It's 24 seven. We don't have a shop front, you know. Yeah. So let me before we delve into what's Bombix, um, what it actually it is. I'm curious if you had your savings and you decided to, you know, invest them into a business of your own. Why this? I mean, wouldn't it have been safer to like launch your own brand given how much you knew about the industry already, your garment tech, etc. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Launch the brand, right? Yeah, I think you've got to, I don't know. I, I don't know. I it just all fell into place. I don't know. Like you've got to, I think I just kind of got to a point where I could do it with my eyes closed yeah. and I wanted a new challenge. And I had this money, like this 10,000 pounds to kind of put deposit towards a house or something. And um, I thought, you know what, actually I'm starting to lose a little bit of passion within my industry. And I want to give something back to people that are trying to create a brand or a movement with purpose. So if mm. I can be part of that in some way, I'd rather do that than just bring another brand onto the market. Um, yeah. So I thought, yeah, I'm gonna try this. I've seen all the problems that are happening and I feel like I can contribute like uh, a solution to that. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, the business was, you know, I, I thought just let's risk it because at the end of the day, I can buy a house, uh, mm. but if I'm not truly in love with what I do and I'm there five days a week, eight hours a day and more, you yeah. know, there, there's no point in buying a house because you've still got to return to something that you're not passionate about. So I thought I'll invest that money into something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Yeah. So where are we today? What's Bombix? Oh, what, what isn't Bombix? Um, so yeah, I mean, we started small and we started working with small manufacturers, but all of a sudden we've had an influx of uh, big brands coming towards us, uh, which is crazy. But I do believe that big brands are looking at startups and small brands and saying they're really quick and they're really agile and flexible. And I want a piece of that. So they might be looking at the softwares that the smaller brands are, that the softwares are aimed at. So it was never meant to be like, uh, I, don't, I don't actually, I don't, I did I never really had a plan. I just went with it. I just, there was a lot of gut feeling in this. If it, it felt really well for no plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just a gut feeling. I just knew that I had to do something. So as I created this system, I just kept getting interest from these big brands. And I thought this is great because um, it shows that it's, it can work for all and all sizes. So that if you are a small brand and you grow into a big brand, the system can be taken with you. What does the system do? So, so you log yeah. in, you create an account and? Ah, uh, yeah. So product lifecycle management. So it takes your design from concept through to production. So it's it holds all the data and the communication within something. So if you've got a design, you upload your design, you'll put in, you'll import your bill of materials, your specifications, all the gradings, your testing requirements for the products, your care labels, your sample development your audits, your QCs, all of this information, it holds all this information and allows people, for brands and suppliers to log into one place yeah. and actually um, just um, communicate in a really efficient way. There were so many times in the industry where people were duplicating like files, like they were doing, there was several people doing 
the same work for one job. And I thought, this is not efficient. So if one person can do it and everyone can see the live data, then why not? There was also a lot of errors within like Excel sheets and stuff, you know, formulas break, people send the wrong copies and the wrong versions. So I thought, actually, yeah, let's just create something where it's live and everyone can kind of come on and they can uh, go through their whole product lifecycle from start to finish and come out with a product that's more accurate. Because the problem is when, you know, there's so many problems with doing things manually as opposed to going digitally. So I wanted to kind of give people that kind of confidence in kind of getting their products through. Whether you were a, you know, a professional in this industry or you were just starting out, everyone comes up with the same issues of, you know, error, you know, manual error and stuff. So I wanted to eliminate that and also kind of give people a little bit of time back to work smarter and let the systems do all the boring stuff basically. Yeah. So I always talk about the fact that in fashion, the two main issues are trust and communication. And it's like a vicious circle because it keeps, you know, feeding into each other. And the biggest problem is that uh, the kind of training that your platform and your software gives people by hand holding them, you know, through the process is not given and taught at schools. So people who enter the industry and want to launch their own brand through simply, you know, sh sheer, uh, sincere, lack of knowledge mm -hmm. they are exasperating that communication and trust issues so yeah. having something like this it's highly educational as well as saves times and money etc yeah well actually uh it's funny you say that because education is starting to look at plm like i've had i've been teaching uh PLM as a as a module for some universities mm. and well you know this afternoon I've got a call with a university to develop an actual course around like that's part of an actual curriculum you know like it's a degree mm. uh it's part of a master's degree actually to to look at how we can implement uh digitization into the industry so it is slowly coming and I have had an influx of uh, universities coming towards and saying we want Bombix in our curriculum how can we do this and stuff so it is there but you're absolutely right that it does um it, it does teach you as you're going along it gives you an understanding of the true complexities of uh, product mm -hmm. development because as you know a lot of people think that fashion and clothes is super easy but it's there's so many components it's super complex you know if the fit isn't right that's a big issue you know if it's not grading in the right sizing it's a big issue and a lot of people just think that you can just set up a brand and just go but Hopefully. there's so many yeah there's so many complexities to it yeah i mean uh, also another thing is uh, that's interesting and most people don't realize is that there is no really standard set in the industry so while people think that that allows for flexibility actually it creates even more of a mess right so you really need something to guide you something like what you've created and really take you through the process and set right. that standard between manufacturers because i found in my experience that very often especially entrepreneurs expect the factories to guide them and tell them what to do whereas the factories are like whoa you know i'm not getting paid to educate you sometimes they don't have the system so it's kind of a bit of a mess well do you know what? i was just about to say that like you know a lot of people they ex they're paying someone for a service but they expect a full-time job out of them for that small mm. bit of cash that they're giving to them yeah. and it's completely not the responsibility of the factories to be holding their hand unless they're going to pay for it um but a lot of people don't want to pay for it so yeah we kind of thought about these solutions to kind of put them forward and say to people hey there's a platform here where everyone can load the data in everyone sees the same thing everyone sees the same updates yeah. and um but yeah it is the responsibility of the brands to know how to develop a product and I think a lot of them because a lot of them outsource a lot of work to the factories like the pattern making um you know the grading all of that and they don't actually have any clue as to what goes on behind the scenes of developing a product they just accept they receive it they receive the services and they go away but some people still don't even know what grading is even though they've got a full brand and you know a product range and you know it, it's crazy that people depend on that so much and you know they they need to know that the the importance of their suppliers and manufacturers and how you know like some like sometimes people call these manufacturers they're saying you know a fact um machinists they're saying it's a low skill job it's completely not a low skill job i'd love yeah. to see anybody try to handle a machine the way these people do it's absolutely incredible and people need to realize that this is a real true skill and not everybody can do it 
Yeah, and also what I often talk to people is they need to realize that the factories are their true partners in the business of creating yeah. that brand because without them, you have no product. But instead, what I often find, and I've been also part of the system where you shower your marketing and PR teams with, you know, presents and whining and dining, etc., and you just like berate your manufacturers, which was one of the problems why I started developing, you know, the similar software like yours years yeah. back. Yeah, um, yeah. So we need to reverse through knowledge and education that kind of equation and make people understand that, hey, without the factories, without the true partners in your business, you don't get to the marketing and the PR. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I think, yeah, I do. I completely agree with you with like people undermine the the importance of the technical aspects of the industry. I even feel as a garment technologist that it wasn't as glamorous a role as a, a buyer or a designer. So you're kind of put into a dark cupboard somewhere where nobody can see you. And it's kind of the designer's limelight to say, oh, look at this beautiful product that I've created. However, yeah. you haven't, you know, they, they, there is no creation without the manufacturing, the technical aspects of it. So yeah, completely. I think a lot of people, even some people, it's all a show. Like it's all like a, you know, a front end to say, you know, look how fabulous we are and stuff. But actually there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that nobody understands. You know, I think for many years, my mom thought that I was a fashion designer because nobody knew what a garment technologist was because <laughs> it's not exposed to the mainstream, you know. And I'm working now with a a big pharmaceutical uh, company on a project and uh, they had no idea that garment technologists and clothing engineers existed. And they were like, well, if we knew, you know, we could have maybe solved this problem years ago, but um, they didn't know. So, yeah, I think this, there needs to be an awareness of these skills and what people are doing at the forefront. And it's not just about the design and how it looks at the, as the end product. Yeah, completely. So I'm curious, having walked that journey that you are on as well, I know how what you've created adapts really well into other industries as well. I mean, your software can apply to any industry and be used to massive advantage, right? Are you yeah. finding perhaps a bit of a resistance within fashion? Because as much as we'd like to think that fashion is, you know, a forward-looking industry is actually quite backward. We were talking earlier, we both agreed how backward actually in fact it is. But are you finding uh, easy adopters within the fashion industry or are you finding resistance and perhaps bigger adoption elsewhere? um so it's definitely not easy in fashion like when you sh when you put it in front of them and explain what you've got and they go oh my goodness I need this you know mm. but a lot of people I think some people don't actually know it exists they just depend on excel and stuff but you know I have seen that other companies or other industries are coming forward including construction which are like we want to show people of our industry what other industries are doing to kind of make it more modern and find better ways of doing things. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes you're right. Sometimes like, I wish fashion, the fashion industry saw things in that way. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people don't actually know what's available to them. They just kind of stick with their Excel and their email and, the, and they go with that. But we've been doing that since the eighties, you know? So it's, it's bizarre to me that we don't streamline because as you said, we're very modern on the external, on the outside, but inside, some factories in some countries are still drafting patterns uh, with a pen uh, and they're marking their lay plans uh, with a different size range of uh, pattern pieces and fitting them onto a big piece of paper. It's absolutely crazy how inefficient that we are sometimes. And we need to look at you know, what we're doing now with, uh, with COVID-19. We need to see this as an opportunity to actually uh, pivot our current practices. So when we come out of this, we actually come back stronger and we say, okay, this has been working for so long, but actually how can we do this better and how yeah. can we work smarter? Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I think if anything, it's really this, this period of time is forcing people to everything they've resisted to embrace it, right? Because in fashion, you have to be in the studio, you have to be in the office, you know, there's the idea of working remotely. It's like not really acceptable in that industry whereas now they're learning that it can be done you know you don't have to schlep and see a show or you know ask designers to schlep to show you their collection it can be done online there's so much that can be done online 
Right. It com yeah, it completely can. I mean, my last job in Berlin before I kind of started this business, we had the opportunity to work from from home. So we we got the chance to and it was great. And I think I don't know, I do think like North America in terms of digital transformation is a lot more at the forefront uh, than the UK. And I also think um, Europe is a, lot, a little bit further ahead of the UK I do think the UK I don't know I don't know whether it's because we kind of lost a mass amount of our industry to uh, globalization and offshoring but I feel like uh, the brands that we've currently got in the UK that are manufacturing they don't it's like they don't know about the options of softwares and digital transformation which is bizarre to me that mm -hmm. they don't know because they could be saving themselves many many hours a year uh through yeah. uh automation or semi-automation yeah i mean I, I think that's a huge topic because i think that the manufacturing industry is really underinvested and overlooked in this country um but that's like a whole other topic but uh, it's interesting that at a startup level nothing really much exists for designers or factories and then when you go to the top the high streets there you have the massive giants like um I can't remember the name now of the German company, SAP, SAP. Yeah, I remember yeah. in my last company, we were adopting it at an excruciating cost. Um, so there is nothing really in between. So what you've created is this perfect bridge, right? Yeah, I mean, my idea was to be affordable. Um, well, we say it's going to be simple, affordable and scalable. Uh, the idea that it needs to be simple, I feel a lot of these systems, they're built I think they're over intellectualized so mm -hmm. they have to look techy and they have to look intellectual uh, intellectual because fashion isn't intellectual to many people but actually it's an incredibly intellectual area it's mm -hmm. uh you know there's a science to it there's maths to it there's there's chemistry to it there's everything that you could possibly think of mm -hmm. uh, so for me having a system with a beautiful user interface and simplicity is key because actually we're busy enough. We don't need a rocket science degree in discovering these um, systems and working them out because we're busy enough as it is. So if we can create things simple that everybody understands at every level, we're gonna work. We're gonna go a lot further in terms of working collaboratively. Mm -hmm. And also, like you said, I do know that you know a lot of these systems are unaffordable to many people, and which is why that people don't use them or don't think that there's anything for them. So when we did create Bombix, I wanted to create something that everybody could afford so that nobody was left out. Cause I do, I'm, I'm very much a part of inclusivity. I think everyone should have access to these tools because it levels the playing field. You know, we, mm -hmm. the industry is already highly competitive enough. If we can level the playing field and give everyone a chance, it really will be, you know, a survival of the fittest and actually you know who's got the great product and who's got the great brands that really come through because you, you know i'm i don't really shop that much you know in terms of like buying clothes and stuff i've got i've got clothes that last me i've, I've, got, I've had them in my wardrobe for like 10 years and i'm still wearing them but you know i did notice when i used to walk into shops if i go into one high street store and i go into another they've literally directly copied off each other's products and they're ahead of the game because they're a bigger company and they can scale you know, faster and stuff and I think it leaves a lot of the creativity out, uh, which a lot of small brands are investing in more. So I kind of wanted to kind of bring it back and say to these creatives, there is a solution for you. It's affordable and it's available to you. Yeah, that's amazing. But how would you, just out of curiosity, you know, working with a lot of uh, startups, I know their mindset is a little bit set on the wrong setting, as in, in terms of if they have a limited budget, they rather spend it on what I consider vanity as opposed to necessity, which I would say you're a necessity because it would ultimately in the long term save them time and money and free them up to do what they love, which is creating. So how would how would you persuade a startup to, you know, to buy into your software and, and see it as a necessity at those early stages? Um, what well, are the kind of objections that you sort of overcome when you discuss? I think some of like a lot of startups are built by people that are not in the fashion industry and they don't realize until they thought they might outsource a designer or something. And then the designers like, you know, they, they bring ideas to them and say, okay, we need this, we need this. And then, so what I've been doing is with the brands that have got no fashion education is getting them together with the designers or their outsourced partners and bringing them onto the system to give them a full demonstration together so that they can see 
the importance because when they hear how important it is to someone that's actually working within the industry they start to respond a, a lot more positively towards that kind of thing and they see the importance in it um, yeah. and even if they have got a, an education in it sometimes the excitement of them seeing how easy it is to develop a product or create a tech pack within seconds, you know, this kind of thing, they're like, wow, you know, we definitely need this. And I think in the past, a lot of it, I think a lot of things in general are on price point. Like you see articles saying, don't scrimp on your digital transformation, but not everybody can afford it. So we should be, you know, it's, it's like mobile phones years ago. I mean, the iPhone is still very expensive and there are a lot of very expensive phones, but it wasn't, uh, accessible to everybody and as time's gone on phones and technology have become cheaper yeah. and they've become and everyone's being able to be included in purchasing a smartphone almost yeah. everybody has a smartphone um, yeah. you know and I think it's the same for any form of technology PLM has been around for many many years since yeah. the 80s but it doesn't seem to be getting cheaper it seems to be getting more expensive and I feel like it should be getting cheaper and becoming more accessible and um so this is kind of what we did. We thought, okay, we're going to start it. We're going to, you know, we, we start at um, £100 per person per month. Um, we're probably one of the cheaper ones on the market. There are other, you know, products out there that aren't necessarily PLM. But PLM, it's not just about creating a tech pack. It's about the communication. It's about the critical paths. It's about the line plans, um, you know, potentially purchase orders, negotiating prices. It's having all your life cycle within one platform it's not just creating a tech pack so you know we try to keep it as affordable as possible and you know that includes uh you know date um server server usage and all of that so we just try our hardest to kind of include everyone in this kind of you know i want to call it a movement almost to get people going digital yeah i mean if i think of the kind of mistakes that brands commit via uh the sheer ability to hold a conversation over so many different platforms and not documented like you know they talk on the phone make an agreement it's not documented then they whatsapp da, 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 right yeah the amount that caused them in mistakes ultimately your software is like a massive saving yeah completely i mean you make sure that you record everything on the software you know you can negotiate your prices it'll show you the prices that were rejected the prices that were approved it shows all the approvals within there and you know time is money and if you have to keep hopping hours through emails and whatsapp and who said what and skype and zoom and whatever resources you've got to try and find the answer to something because you've just off the cuffs agreed to something or disagreed with something you're you're wasting your time which you could be spending on actually innovating either your product or your business model or whatever it is that you want to improve on yeah, that's amazing. So if someone, let me slightly move the conversation in a different direction. If someone had an idea similar like you for a pain that they see in the industry, what would you advise them? Where would you advise them to start to develop that idea? Um, draw it out. Uh, so like, you know, there's so many softwares that are free or they're very inexpensive. I started with a, a product called Balsamic, uh, which creates wireframes of websites and stuff. And I just drew out what I wanted. And um, I spent six months doing it. And it seems like a long time, but it, it's a big system. And um, it's even bigger now than when it was originally drawn. So I do think that people need to draw out their plans and then actually get industry professionals in. I had a lot of consultancy before I went to market. Even though I had the experience in the industry, I wanted to make sure that it worked for almost every single business model that I could think of. So I gathered mm. consultants from within the industry that had worked across multiple business models to make sure it worked. And if it didn't work, go back to the drawing board, find a new solution on how I can make it available to all. Because if you just concentrate on one business model, like, you know, when you're creating something like this, you're gonna, you're gonna cut off so many people because people get stuck in what they know and they just wanna do it the way they've always done it, but a little bit smarter. So yeah. if you kind of provide them something which they can, um, they're familiar with, it really helps. Yeah, And then, yeah, I, I honestly believe that half, a lot of it is people, I don't know, like, you know, it's, I feel like people say, oh God, you've, you've risked so much to, to get this off the ground, but I don't feel like I've risked anything, you know, because what would have happened? I'd have just spent that money elsewhere on a house, on whatever, you know, and like, luckily now that, you know, the business is up and running, we've got a team, we've got clients, um, 
any, I, I believe anything is possible. There's enough people and businesses on this planet to create almost anything and have a business out of it. So I do believe that just taking, you know, taking that risk that people say and just going with it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you just, I think sometimes your fear holds you back more than it needs to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and everyone has it. Everyone has imposter syndrome to some extent. You know, what if it's not good enough and this and that, but you've just got to push that aside and really just say, okay, I'm going to do this. I believe in it and I'm going to go with it. And, you know, honestly, it, it works out if you trust your gut. And I think just going with it, even if you've got a small bit of cash, you know, invest it smartly. And did, you, did you wait until your system was perfect to launch it or did you launch like a basic version, test it out and... Um, so before I started this, I was a bit of a perfectionist and I kept postponing the go live day. I kept saying it's not good enough yet. It's not good enough. It has to be put on hold. And then I got a few people involved in it. Like we've got, um, so, I mean, even before these people were in it, but we've got a board of directors now, which kind of helps us kind of make decisions quicker. But before that I brought someone in just to view it and they were like, it's good enough. And I was like, I was like, but good enough isn't good enough yeah. and uh, but it really was because I was so invested in every aspect of the product I saw it all day and all night that sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees yeah. and actually when I started showing it to people in the industry they were like oh I could use this now yeah. so you know it, it it took me about we developed it for about a year and a half before we launched it mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be a year and a half necessarily maybe that was one of my failures um, also, I looked at parts of the system that weren't super important and I invested money into those, but, you know, they weren't really used as much as something else might be. So just being sure on how you're spending your money, um, like, you know, sometimes you think that something's really important because in your head, that's a really vital aspect of it. But just going out and saying, hey, what do you think of this? You'll learn so much from people and you realize that what you think you know is important actually isn't. So, you know, I've made loads of mistakes on this. I've, I've you know, failed in, in some aspects, but it definitely pivots you towards doing the right thing. Just using these failures and these things, instead of looking at it and thinking, oh my goodness, I've done something incredibly wrong here. Actually just looking at it and saying, actually what I've got here, I, you know, I've messed up, I've made a mistake, but I've got that for the future or I can work on that or I can improve yeah. that and just look towards it because you don't learn without you know, without failure. Yeah. And um, it's inevitable for the success of your business. Yeah. In technology, there is this saying that you should fail faster, right? So the idea is to put out something when it's imperfect, test it, eliminate what doesn't work, improve, launch again. And I, for me, for me, that was per really kind of a valuable learning lesson when I was developing the software, because I feel like there's far too much emphasis on perfection in fashion and someone tinkering until it's perfect and then they launch it and it bombs right because yeah yeah absolutely i think it's it is similar for for software and technology like yeah just get it out there you know get the feedback you know you have a you have a beta versions you know so yeah. um it's okay and um you're gonna learn if you've got a bigger audience to test it to so yeah, I, I think just get it get it out as quick as you can, but obviously make sure it's functioning as much as possible. But some of those little features that you think are going to sell it probably won't. So just get it out as a core basic product and work on things like for now. Now I we have we release features all the time. Like every quarter, we're releasing features, and actually we have a priority list of things that clients think would be nice to have and we just kind of go through them gradually and build on them you know some clients want custom features some clients just want something quicker and are willing to pay for it to get it out sooner so that we can you know either increase the team temporarily or put something at the forefront just speak to the people that are actually onboarded are they they are your audience to know how to pivot or kind of take your product to the next level yeah that's amazing i just wish fashion brands would take that lesson or you know, and, and launch collections in the same way because they don't have to launch, especially startups with these massive, huge collections, right? 
Yeah, they they don't have to do these mass, massive collections. Actually, they don't have to have collections at all. They can, you know, we are now part of something where people are buying stuff all the time. They're not waiting for the next seasonal drop because people have different, you know, some some brands are seasonless, some brands have seasons. Um, I think now you can just drop a product if it feels right at the right time. And I do yeah. feel that's where a lot of fast fashion brands are benefiting from. They're just yeah. dropping it in when it's ready. And this... The, the slower fashion, if I'm going to call it that, to, to be the people that are opposite. Um, you know, they're waiting until the release of the collection, but that time has already gone. And, mm. um, you know, they, they've they've missed the drop, you know. So it, you, you've got to kind of get it right and just get it out there and, you know, worry about it not aligning later on because it actually could bring you new followers and new business if you just do it off the cuff sometimes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So what do you think is going to, how do you think this special time we're living in is going to change the fashion industry and where will you fit with your software in that new new world that will emerge? Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know what, it's an absolute, it, it's a tragic time. You know, this has happened, it's it's killing people. It's It's absolutely devastating. And I wish that it didn't do any of that. However, you know, in a contrast to that, I, I do think there's been a few silver linings of uh, COVID-19. And I do think connectivity has been a massive one. People are connecting in ways that they never really used before. Like we had this technology for years and people took it for granted and it was there and they never really used it. And now they're having to use it. They're realizing how beneficial it is. Yeah. And I think now, I think digital transformation is going to really come to the forefront of businesses for product does, uh, design, development and manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And they're going to see this in a totally different light because I do feel that now that people have got their downtime with this, they should be looking towards the future of how they can pivot and work smarter in the future to actually take their brand to the next level and actually be even bigger on, you know, at the end of all of this. So actually just using uh, this time to research and do some projects with your team, connect your teams and say, okay, how can we do this better? And actually say, okay, let's start researching some platforms. Let's write a list of things that we need, uh, you know, Digital transformation doesn't have to be something new and flashy. It can be actually what you're already doing, but in a much more streamlined streamlined way. You know, digital transformation is different for every single person. Yeah. That you know, what what someone thinks it is, it's it's different for somebody else. So I do believe that people need to kind of use this time to look at how they're going to come out of this even bigger and stronger than before. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I strongly feel that when we come out the other side there will be a return to independent brands, to smaller brands, to designer makers, et cetera. And, but because the world will be poorer and will be in a economic turmoil, I think it would be even more important than to work smart, you know, and where possible be more organized, save time, save money, et cetera. And therefore utilizing technology like yours is going to be imperative to get faster, you know, faster results, save time, save money, get product to the market, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think... Well, I, I've been a big fan of digital transformation for, for years, you know, and I've had a PLM company for years and a lot of people that I know sometimes don't even know what PLM is, you know, and it, it's been around for since the 80s, but I think it's time is now definitely to get brands working smarter, working quicker, more efficient, more organized, because people don't realize how much time they're wasting mm. on certain processes that they could be using for developing the next big thing, something that could actually take their business to the next level. And I think sometimes you have this old management style where you have some kind of dinosaur mindset executives that say, okay, if, if I, I'm paying someone to do all this, I want to see them from nine till five doing this. But actually, administration and stuff like that, the really mundane tasks that nobody really signed up for when they signed up for these jobs, it's holding people back. And if they can have somewhat of a digital assistant to kind of work them through it so they can actually then work on, you know, smarter, bigger, better ideas, that's a far better use of their time than just making sure that they're bogged down with admin because that's not going to help anybody. Mm. Do you see your product potentially being adopted by uh, bigger brands inside, you know, the production teams using it as the go-to platform for manufacturing? Definitely. Um, we've we've already had some big clients that are, we've just signed on one this week that uh, we're just doing a pilot project with them to kind of take it through. You know, they were completely 
they're not anti-tech, but they've never used it in the right way before. And we had an opportunity to work with them. And um, we're starting with one area of their business and taking it through to all the multiple brands that they're in. So definitely, you know, this, this brand is, is a world leader in what it does. I can't say too much right now, right. but uh, more will be um, released through press releases in, in the near future. But yeah, definitely, we've, we're seeing an influx of massive brands really approaching us at the minute. And it's, it's a great feeling, mm -hmm. but we just want to make sure that people know that we're not just here for big brands were also here for the small brands you know a lot of technologies they minimum they uh, put a minimal account requirement on them yeah. you can you can be a thousand people or more you can be one person and still use this system it's available to absolutely everybody does it work for manufacturers as well can they adopt it yes they completely can adopt it so they can adopt it for their own processes we have stuff in there that re reports preparation, manufacturing and finishing so that you can record when you're packaged, you know, when what date a product is being packaged and mm. um, what date something's in printing, anything. Um, they can use it as a standalone PLM for their manufacturing processes. And I think they'd get a huge amount out of it, probably more than anyone. Um, and then you've got the brand side. And if a brand is using it, um, they can also integrate their suppliers so that the suppliers can see what's going on and be able to also suggest changes to what's out there already. And then they can approve or reject it. And yeah. so it's, it's pure collaboration. And yeah, uh, manufacturers absolutely can yeah, use because it. I feel that in, on the manufacturing side, some innovation is also lacking. I know of a few factories who have developed similar to yours, much more basic version, but they have paid someone to develop it just for them to use in their internal business. And so there's a few different systems going around, but there isn't one single solution that can also take on I, the designers. I think the problem with um, building your own system is that your business is likely to change or the way you do things or the way you buy things, it's likely to change. And the thing is, your bus if your business is making, concentrate on making. If your business is uh, selling, concentrate on selling. Mm. And I think that sometimes people creating their own systems, it's such a short-term thing because things change so much that actually their system is outdated and then they have to keep working in the same way and it becomes a hindrance. So what we wanted to do is kind of keep it affordable to yeah. allow people to sign up and actually benefit from us working with the industry and how it changes and develops and evolves and kind of, you know, applying those practices as it goes along to enable people to actually just do what they do best and develop yeah. fantastic products. Yeah, no, no, I agree. But I think that the reason they've done it is comes from necessity, right? Because apart from yes. the big, uh, is it Siemens, SAP, etc., there isn't smaller, more adaptable and affordable programs that they can use. So completely, yeah. I mean, one of our, one of our clients in, in Canada, they had their own systems or they were trying to build their own systems, but they didn't realize how much work was involved in it. Yeah. So they eventually put it down and kind of came to us and said, okay, we've, we need this. And we said, okay, yeah, we, we provide this already. So yeah, completely. It is about necessity, but I like it that people are thinking ahead and saying, okay, I need to keep organized, keep that mindset, but do know that there's uh, systems and solutions out there for you that can actually aid you in that digital transformation yeah. to keep up with what you need. So as a small business yourself, how are you managing to get word of what you do? Because obviously you're right now, your software can fall into the category of necessity, right? More people should know about you. What are your challenges or how are you managing the whole marketing process? Uh, well, we don't pay for any marketing. Um, you know, I think with social media now, you don't necessarily need to pay for a lot of marketing anymore. Um, you know, I, I've, I, on behalf of the company, write articles regarding things that go out to uh, you know, industry professionals that want to know about this, um, you know, but we, a lot of it is word of mouth. Like, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a, as I said, this big client that's kind of just come on board. Um, that that was purely through, you know, just, just communicating and actually just sharing stories of frustrations of what works and doesn't work, you know. Yeah. So you, there's not, you know, you're not far away from someone that's going through the same problems as you've had within your role. And I think actually just communicating and talking and harnessing the power of community to mm -hmm. uh, sell your product is super important these days. You know, we do very little to market it. We just keep up on social media and, uh, you know, attend events. So not just, um, 
you know, we, we make sure that we're at speaking events and uh, kind of getting the word out there. And so far it's working and, you know, we're getting bigger each year as we go on. So it's, uh, there's definitely a development in that. And I do believe that we are completely a necessity in the, you know, the shape of things to come. Yeah. And uh, people should be harnessing uh, digital transformation and software solutions for the future. So yeah, I, I, I do think it's a necessity. And I think that, you know, more people are going to look at this now more than ever since the, you know, the catastrophe that is COVID-19. I think it's kind of forcing people to look to the future because a lot of people are in panic about the future, yeah. the uncertainty. And it's those people that are thinking, actually, okay, I can either panic or I can look at coming out of this uh, better off. Yeah. And it's, it's those people that are going to survive this. I think, you know, it is really uncertain times, but I think people should try to continue as normal as much as possible and use this time to really look at their processes and say, how can I do this better and how can I work smarter? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. So, okay, so if someone was listening and interested to know more about it, where do they go? How do they get started? Is there like a trial? How does it work? So, yeah, you can find us on uh, bombixplm.com. You can also find us on any social media with the handle bombixplm. And, um, yeah, there is a trial. There is a demo. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't necessarily use the trial or they, if they do, they don't use it for long because they're so busy. And they, you know, when you come to them at the end, they're like, oh, actually, I haven't had time to look at it yet. So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the businesses that are on board, they've never had a trial with us. They've had the demo, we've had the discussion, we've gone back and forth with their needs and we've shown them solutions on how they can do it. And they, they you know, they, they usually sign up uh, pretty quickly after that. So it's, um, I think, come in, have the demo, have the trial if you want. You know, it's, it's there, it's available to you. Uh, for brands that have got, you know, between one and three products, there is a free basic package to get them going to get their, oh, wow, okay. you know. So, you know, it's a very basic package of essentials to develop their product. Um, we have that. So, you know, some brands, they start off with one product or just a few. So it's for those brands that really want to get their teeth, you know, sink their teeth into uh, dig digitalization. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, come to us, messages, talk to us. And I'm sure we've got something for everyone and we can offer something. And even if it's just kind of increasing our community and getting to know the, you know, the stresses and the, the pressures of running their business so that we can, you know, help towards kind of alleviating that. Yeah, that's amazing. Cool. Well, thank you so much. That sounds thank you really so much. Fun. I'll put all the links below in uh, the chat. And um, I I think we should touch base in a few months when we're on the other side and see where we're at and completely you know, help the industry pivot and move into the yeah, world. Absolutely. I'm completely up for this is the whole point of Bombix. It was to help people and it's going to continue to do that. So, yeah, actually, you know, anyone reaching out, I'm sure there's a way that you know, collaboration is key and it's the future of our industry. So if we all work together, we can all come out of this stronger and better off. I totally agree with you. That's a good positive note to finish on. Thank you well, so thank much. You, and we'll see you soon again. Yeah, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Okay, thank you.